Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. Today, I'm speaking with Gabriella Mirabelli. She is the foremost authority on translating millennial behavioral trends for executives at major media enterprises. She was listed on Inc. as one of the five unsung heroes of new media and is the CEO and co-founder of Anatomy, a New York-based Emmy award-winning creative agency and branding consultancy. As the host of the Up Next podcast, she talks with the brightest innovators, risk takers, and disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. Over the last half decade, Gabriella has studied how the practices of media brands intersect with the media consumption habits of millennials. Her most recent in-depth report, Millennials at the Gate, is an examination of streaming, ad blocking, and piracy habits of young millennials. It has been cited by major publications such as Forbes, The Wrap, Media Post, and Yahoo Finance. You can get more information about Gabriella and her company Anatomy at anatomymedia.com. I'm very excited to have Gabriella on the program today. Welcome, Gabriella. Thank you so much for having me join you, and what a fancy introduction. Thank you for that. Well, you've done a lot, so, <laughs> you know, lots to get through there. I would love for you to dive in and tell us more about Anatomy. It sounds like an amazing company. Thanks so much. Anatomy is a marketing and promotions firm for entertainment brands. We create trailers and spots that entice viewers to, to binge watch programs. And we also create business to business marketing reels to launch channels, pitch investors and secure advertisers. Um, we've also begun to more formally consult around organizational structure, process, culture and strategy and looking at young millennial consumption behaviors and beliefs as a, a um, foundation point for that. What was the specific thing that caused you to be so interested in the millennial generation in general? Because there are other generations out there who need to be marketed to. Why millennials? Well, that's, it's interesting. And first, I would say that even um, millennials right now is a, an enormous population. It's actually larger than the baby boom generation. And um, the official age range is something like 1999 through 1982. Um, when I look, I'm actually looking at young millennials because I think that that is such a broad uh, group of people that it's almost useless. Um, so young millennials, I'm looking at 18 to 24. And why that group is, um, you know, the sort of saying, uh, children are our future. And in a way, <laughs> it's, it's that kind of um, thing in that as this large cohort is where um, consumption habits are headed. Uh, they, as it even starts sliding younger into Gen Z, you've got digital natives. And this is the, the group of people who came of age in, in the digital era. Mm -hmm. and, and so their ways of consuming media is radically different from everybody who came before. And and yet they're also still at that cusp of being purchasers. We're not quite talking about your 13-year-olds because they're not necessarily making independent purchase decisions. Right. And so this group of people is, is in the swim, uh, very influential in terms of how they experience and play with media, how they consume media, and what they're doing 
bleeds down to the younger siblings, oh, sure. peers, and then filters up to their parents. My children teach me mm-hmm. how to get the ad blocker on my phone. Yeah. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. And so just as a little aside, my 24 year old niece came to visit me here in L.A. and it made me feel very old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I was hip. I was like, what happened? Yeah, no, I, I sort of have embraced my my old curmudgeon and you know luddite <laughs> self and i i'm happy with it um this is who i am i yeah. read her books i can drop them in the tub you know <laughs> whatever but, um, exactly. and yet i recognize that i am i am not the cutting edge i am not who's being marketed okay. to we're um, pac-man children <laughs> exactly <laughs> but um you know I, I think that what you have is a their behaviors are are influencing and and where you're going to end up. I mean, if you think of there's the sports Wayne Gretzky said, you know, you you go where the puck is going to be. Mm. And when you're dealing with big organizations, legacy organizations, it takes them a while to build something. And so they need to know where it's going. If they designed for the older end of that spectrum, by the time it was ready to be launched, they would be too late. So what have you found? What do millennials generally respond to or not respond to when it comes to marketing? Well, I would say that it's pretty um, it's pretty simple. It's authenticity, brevity, engagement, relevance. All of those things appeal. And anything... You always hear that word relevant. Is it relevant? You know, I have to laugh right. at that. Well, because it, it, that's because subjective. That's, well, for that, I mean, there's where you have programmatic advertising or something that... Um, you know, we have all of this data on people and now it's for sale um, because of our our wonderful um, Congress. Um, But what that means is, you know, Google reads your email and it sees that you're typing about um, bar stools. And so the next time you log on to, you know, you're sending an email to a friend, you're like, oh, I was looking for these bar stools. And the next time you log on to do a Google search, what's in the right hand column but bar stools? Yeah. All kinds of bar stools. And that's creepy. It's super creepy. I remember well, when that I, first started happening a couple of years ago, I was like, wow. Well, at first it was, it's sort of like, you're like, oh, that's a weird coincidence. <laughs> you know, and then yeah. you say, it's not a coincidence. It's on purpose. And that is both, I mean, sort of, I, I think one of the things that's interesting is generationally, I find it really creepy. My kids don't. Mm-hmm. Because so, they grew into it. It became this natural just, occurrence. Yeah. It's just how it was. It's just the way it is. Um, they they don't mind that as much. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing I think is interesting is the younger of the kids is much more comfortable giving voice commands. And that's the default, you know, Siri this, Siri that. You right. know, and at first, I'm like, really? You can't type it in there? And then I... Yeah. But, it's all going voice. That's where it's going. Well, well I think that this is illiterate by the end. Oh, right. Nobody's going to be able to read or write or, <laughs> or talk at some point. Um, so I'm curious because there's this perception about millennials and especially the younger ones that they're lazy, that um, they don't want to make a phone call because of all of this, you know, they've been so entrenched in digital and the internet and all of that. So what have you found from this younger segment that, you know, maybe demystifies that perception? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think you, when you're looking at statistics and you're gathering information about how people behave or what they do, it's useful 
it has certain applications that are useful. It's useful if you're looking at how people tend to consume something, large behaviors, um, when you're sort of firing off cannons at them, if you will. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking, however, about the workplace, we still, it, where statistics fall apart is at the individual level. I mean, if you think of, let's say, healthcare, you can't be 67% pregnant, even if your <laughs> age group is 67% pregnant, or you can't be 30% cancerous. You either are or you aren't. At the mm -hmm. individual level, something is binary. And so when we talk about the workforce, when you're making a selection for an employee, you're choosing an individual person. And that person either is motivated or they are not. They are either entitled or they are not. And my feeling is that, yes, if we look at this large cohort of people, through no fault of their own, they were raised, there was a lot of helicopter parenting, there was a lot of precious, precious, there was a lot of uh, participation trophying going on. So, you could describe there are certain things that are likely to be true about this population. That does not mean the individual that you're in interviewing right. is that way. So when I read these articles about um, how do we manage these millennials? Oh, what should we do? I think, well, what you should do is fire them and look at your recruitment. Look at your selection. Mm -hmm. um, how are you sourcing people and how are you selecting them? Because if you have an entire team full of entitled people who who really would like to do something creative now, please, and, you know, what about my title, and I think I'd like to be self-actualized, or whatever. Um, that, you, that is I like not, your accent that went along with that. <laughs> you know, that's not the reason of work. I think one of the things that's happened societally is that large institutions are being expected to be more than they ought to be. We expect schools to be parents. Yeah. And now we're starting to expect businesses to be families, to be, um, to be uh, communities, to be purpose. Now that doesn't mean that you can't find a community at work or that you can't f enjoy a purpose at work. But the raison d'etre of work is not to create community or purpose for its employees. Do you see what I mean there? That it's not the It's not reason. about that. It's not You're the there to achieve some being. goals. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so when you join an organization, you for a work purpose, you know what that organization's about. And if you you know are not entranced by whatever it is, yeah. I don't know that you will ever it doesn't matter how many beanbag chairs there are. It's not going to do it for you. If mm -hmm. that doesn't and also I ultimately the locus for meaning originates with the individual. And maybe that little bit of growing up in this generation, that painful bump that we all experience the first time we realize the world doesn't revolve around us. You know? <laughs> it's yeah. a horrible thing, you know, and I learned it at five. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it takes, it takes yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> So, um, I mean, it's really interesting. Culture is such a huge piece with the workplace. And now you see a lot of, I mean, out here in LA, there are all these ad agencies, and they're very young skewing in terms of their employee population. Uh -huh. So that automatically creates a culture. I would love to know more what you've learned about how, especially in these types of environments, how these millennials, the younger millennials are disrupting the work environment. Well, I, I mean, again, I don't think they 
have to. I think that they can, I, I work with amazing, driven, focused, creative, energetic um, millennials who don't disrupt it in any sort of bad way. They're additive and fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that it's a necessary that it, it's disrupt. I mean, there's a certain kind of pejorativeness in, in thinking of it as a disruptive force. It should be an additive force. It, I, I think one I of think the things... I think disruption can be a positive thing. Yeah. If you're I mean, shaking I, up the old values, you know, the old ways of doing things. Well, but here's where I would I would argue. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about the importance of diversity um, and how better creative comes from diverse teams. You know, that um, one of the challenges that the VR, AR industry, a lot of the gaming industry has is that it skews heavily male. Mm-hmm. And so it's simply just there aren't female voices and that creates a product, but a product that is, is has weird gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and similarly, I would say ageism is an issue. Um, yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> and and I think that this is something you know. If you have a company that's all sweet young things, that's great. But there is there is something about having people who have actually done work. Right. who have, have gone through and have totally. experiences that's that has of, value. Yep, and that's one of the things that I, I think often about the millennial generation, and I think about it in terms of my niece. She's probably listening and like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill you. Uh-huh. Um, but that they have knowledge. They have a lot of knowledge because they've had so much access to information and quickly, but they don't have the experience or the application of that knowledge. So they can be know-it-alls but not really know what they're talking about. Well, it's like that there's that the uh, Mark Twain quote about how when he was a young man, he 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 thought his father was quite stupid. And as he he when he then became 25, he realized how much smarter his father had gotten Mm. in the last five years. And I think that that there is a a period of that. I think that you can have um, that it's a wonderful thing to be young and and not be fearful and not let limits be set for you. It's only by pushing those, by pushing and pushing and denying limits that you really see how far you can go. I mean, every teenager knows that, but somehow we all lose it as we become careful. However, there is also understanding um, consequence. There's understanding when you're evaluating a situation, understanding when it's failed, how to fail quickly, how to take on board that information and not have it destroy you, and how to then integrate that into your next act. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, just as a, a little additional point, just because you're old doesn't mean that you're not hip or cool. <laughs> oh, totally. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There are the agency that I used to work at, there were a lot of like, you know, people in their 30s and 40s who were just like, they had such amazing creative ideas. And combining that with the 20 somethings was just incredible, you know? Well, again, it's it's diversity, right? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. where you really, I think any time you have diversity of thought, and that's diversity in all ways. Yeah. Um, How do you work with leadership at Anatomy to engage, keep the, the younger millennials engaged at work? Well, we're not so large that it's an issue. <laughs> I would say, I mean, it's, we're, we're very um, collegial. I'm very interested in what people have to say. I would say I listen. Um, my, the way I, I think about leadership um, is, 
is that you think about putting the resources, if you believe you're going to do something, putting the necessary resources against the task, not doing everything. You can't be all things to all people. So deciding what you're going to put your resources against and doing that. And then um, also trying to be simple and clear and uncomplicated about what the goal is, whatever we're trying to accomplish. And then really allowing people to within that framework, knowing the goal to operate, that they are able to, um, to know what the end goal is. And by understanding the end goal, they can work to accomplish it. It's not so, I'm not so prescriptive mm -hmm. about it. If, if we've missed what's going to happen, I may bounce ideas about how I think it should be accomplished, what sure. I think should be done. And if we've missed, we'll, you know, debrief and talk about what we could do better and fold that into the process. But I, you know, giving them just the been, freedom. Well, the freedom to, you know, my, my goal is if in the absence of guidance, in the absence of external leadership, in the absence of everything else, do they know what they need to do in order to succeed? And they should. Mm -hmm. Do you think that all young millennials or all millennials in general like to operate without a lot of supervision and just kind of do their thing within the parameters of the goals? Or do you find that it's individual? I think that's entirely individual. I really do. I think that some people thrive in structure. It's like some people are are enjoy freelance and some people can't stomach the whole idea right. of it. And so I really think it's it's your personal nature and understanding your personal nature. And I think as a leader, you understand your team's strengths and weaknesses. You understand how certain people need kinds of communication. It's like when you're coaching a team and certain players need different things in order to perform sure. better. I just feel like the up-and-comers of the world, the young entrepreneurs, it's just this huge movement right now. I feel like everyone's an entrepreneur. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I think that we have um, a lot of chiefs and not too many Indians. And I think <laughs> right. that it's, it's important to also understand how to be an Indian, if you will. You Absolutely. know, if you, how to, how to be, you know, all of this education about how leadership, 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 leadership. How about, you know, in many of these large organizations, how about how to be a team player? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be on a team? What does it mean to work with other people um, really truly? And okay. not, not be doing it as a sort of a blind in order to position yourself so you can be the leader later, but to, yeah. really, to really be a team player. And that is something that I wish was emphasized a bit more. Agreed. Absolutely. There's value in being on both sides. It's kind of like when, you know, somebody is the the president of an organization. You love to hear that at one time they were the janitor. <laughs> well, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Well, and, and certainly, I mean, I think me, I'm a small business person. I take out the trash. Yeah. I, I'm on my hands and knees and I'll clean up stuff. I mean, this is because why not? I'm not above anything. Right. You know? Right. Let's talk about your report, um, this Millennials at the Gate. Tell us more about this and how it, how it came about. Sure. Well, thank you first for asking about it. That's great. Um, it came about because I noticed that my, um, my Gen Z child was, and this was right after, this was last year after the holiday, 
was watching something. I said, what you watching? And he said, oh, Star Wars. And I was like, what? What are you watching? <laughs> Yay. Do you not know what mommy does for a living? And then we got into this whole debate about, I'm not downloading it. I'm just streaming it. It's not illegal. And I said, it's absolutely illegal. You're pirating it. And then we got to talking just about, about all of the, um, how he went about getting his, his content. Um, and this started a conversation internally at Anatomy. And and the younger, there was a real difference in terms of the older millennials and the younger millennials about how they consumed content, whether or not they had ad blockers. And we started, we came up with a, um, a hypothesis that people got ad blockers because they were pirating content. And so we started looking at piracy, ad blocking and we actually did we were able to prove that they're mutually reinforcing it's we weren't statistically able to prove causality that's very tricky there are so many different factors although i personally believe it is causal um and so what we we discovered was that um, two out of three young millennials are using ad blockers 69 percent of young millennials are pirating content and 67% think that that's totally fine. Wow. That is a big, that's a big thing. And the other, the other reason to, to look at this, you know, going back to your earlier question, why, why are we looking at this generation of, of people, is that habits become pretty durable and they're formed now. So if somebody is used to pirating and they go to a pirating site and the reasons that they're going there, they're going there to consume video. That was the other thing. The reason they were using ad blockers was for video content. There had been a fair amount of press around ad blockers for print, but not much around video. And really the driver behind the ad blocking for this generation was video content. Um, The driver for pirating was user experience. Again, none of this is actually really surprising. If you think about your own experience, you think about how frustrating it is. And here are these kids who don't have any qualms about streaming, certainly, um, saying, well, I, I want to just want what I want where I want right. it. I don't care about your wall garden. If I go to, you know, this particular site, I'm not going to name the piracy site. Right. <laughs> but, you know, know. It's, all, it's all there. And what's interesting is even... Um, the elections, they found that this group of people were pirating streams for the debate. Wow. Okay. Now that's interesting because it was free, but they were watching it that way because that's the way they watch content. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting and it speaks to, okay, if I'm an ad supported um, network, you know, like uh, think of all HGTV, seventy percent sure. advertiser supported. Uh, what does this mean for me? Right, that's a little scary. You know, right. I'm a little so freaked out I... by these stats and by this these behaviors because then if they expect everything to be free and they have no loyalty to any specific brand, uh, how do you market to them? Well, not not only how do you market to them, but you know, ultimately, it's not cheap to make Game of Thrones. It's not free to make exactly. these things. So how do we, I mean, ultimately, somewhere the money has to come, you know, or else the whole thing collapses. It's like newspapers. You know, we mm. we value quality reporting, but we didn't want to pay for it. Right. And so, but but the subscription model is, is coming into play there or other things in, as well to augment the revenue. So um, what's interesting with, 
these young millennials in our next survey we're working on now has to do with their ability to recognize the larger network brand from the show. And it is not very strong. Wow. Um, so yes. they're just focused on that specific. They're focused on the show. Mm-hmm. They're focused on the show with the exception of Netflix has high brand recognition yeah. ties back really high. But I would imagine um, that like a network like ABC would too, you know, with like, nope. yeah, interesting. No, no. All of the broadcasters are around 31%. Wow. Netflix is around 70 Interesting. So what have they done differently? Well, I mean, I I think what you've got, some of it has to do with the programming and the, um, you know, what appeals to what age audiences. Mm -hmm. It also has to do with, well, you'll have to read the report when it comes out. (laughs) Now, do you make recommendations in the report to brands to say, hey, here's our recommendations on how to deal with this? Yeah, some. I mean, you know, we we say there are some odd, there are some obvious conclusions one can draw. If, if somebody wants really detailed recommendations, that's a consulting job um, for sure. For sure. So that's sort of how we we look at that. How has your personal idea or or assumptions about millennials changed as a result of all of the research that you've done with your report and you know just working with millennials at Anatomy? Well, you know, I don't know that it's actually changed so much as it it solidified thoughts that I had. It pro- like uh, the research helped prove that my my gut, my thoughts were statistically sound. You know that um, because you can't say just because my one kid does this one <laughs> right. thing, there goes the industry. But in this case, I. I did, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, although you can't, I mean, this is sort of one story, one piece. And so the research, I go in with hypotheses and then I test them. And so far, I've been pretty good about guessing where things are landing. But by by having the survey, by having the data, I can say this is this is real and, and these are the points. And if these dots are all connected, what does it mean? Now, how is this related back to uh, your podcast? Is that part of anatomy as well? Yes. Um, I started the podcast because of our clients and the disruption that was happening in the media space. And really what I started seeing was that um, if you're going to future-proof your business, the only way you can problem solve is by you can recombine the skills and capabilities you already have, but you're limited by what you already know. And a way to expand what you already know is to go to seminars and read books and talk to other people. But while you're under siege, your time is being eaten up. You know, you're being tied up. And so my goal was to create this repository, this place where all of these conversations could exist that would be available. People could dip in and out as they were interested, as was necessary to them. And it would create a broader place where you could look at the people who were doing a best practice somewhere else and it might be applicable to media or they were doing something really innovative in the media space themselves. And also, you know, if you have people who have hit success what are some common threads that we're, you know, that I'm seeing after 50 some odd interviews? You know, there are some things that start coming coming out, and these are the things that will help you weather the storm. And right. so that that was the impetus behind the podcast. And so I would imagine that a lot of your guests are millennials. 
No, actually. Really? No, no. What I'm looking at are the, are the um, I mean, I would say it's a, a big range. Like, for instance, I spoke with um, Colonel Carlos Vega, who is the head of the U.S. Army's cyber efforts. Wow. And I spoke to him about um, how do you lead change at velocity when you're un- you're working at a um, in a legacy organization with a hierarchical structure mm-hmm. and you're dealing with a very disruptive force, you know, ISIS and all of their cyber um, threats, right? So, you know, where the, the, the risk, if they make a mistake, is, is pretty high. But there are obvious parallels then to, to legacy broadcast companies, right? So that's interesting. You have a totally different industry and how they're dealing with it, and you can draw parallels. Absolutely. Um, transfer that transfer that knowledge across Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i've also spoke i've spoken with people who are doing um cutting edge working in blockchain which i think will be incredibly disruptive it's sort of internet 2.0 it's going to disrupt things like crazy um and and it's just before it's happening you know or speaking with content creators in the vr space and what it is that engages um uh, you know, or looking at people who do analysis and what are they finding in their studies, you know? So all of these things, all of these different conversations are in this one location. You can, you know, hunt around and find what's interesting. Now, how can people access that? Is it on iTunes and all that jazz? It's on iTunes and all that jazz. It also exists at the upnextpodcast.com website. Awesome. You know, I'm just curious, what is like one big takeaway that you'd love to leave with people out there listening today who are interested in disruption, uh, changes with the media, and so on? Okay, well, I guess if you're expecting to find a way to keep doing business the same way you always have with only incremental changes, you're going to be in a lot of trouble in our digital age, you know, um, if you aren't already. Millennials and younger generations interact with media and the environment in ways that are uh, foreign and different from previous generations. And this leaves a lot of the traditional models obsolete. And so the people I see succeeding are those who are adapting, broadening their, their thinking and their perspectives, looking for other inputs, drawing ideas from unrelated fields, and applying uh, these findings to their field. And and that's something that everybody should really be doing. I absolutely agree. Yeah. I mean, I've worked in all types of corporations, and the ones that are still kind of stuck in the old ways of doing things, it's a big bummer when you're excited (laughs) about, you know? (laughs) You want to try something new, you're like, oh. It's a buzzkill. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. This isn't the way we do things, and um, and that you know that goes to to culture being a real thing. It's not it's not the thing you put on a poster and hang around the walls. Yeah. It's it's what you do, how you act, who gets um, promoted, what behaviors get reinforced, yes. what what extinguished. Because we can talk till we're blue in the face about certain things being valued. But if somebody who doesn't practice those things is always getting the promotions and the accolades, that's what people are noticing. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what we were talking about, where it's like people don't know how to be team players because they're all about getting themselves up the ladder. Can be, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I love everything that you deal with, that you that you are passionate about, and I'm very excited about your Millennials at the Gate report. Um, we'll be seeing those findings, everybody. Please go to anatomymedia.com for more information about Gabriella's company. Gabriella, it's been such a pleasure to have you on Nothing Off Limits to talk more about your work. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great talking yeah. to you. Can't wait to check out your podcast, too. Thank you. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.